is the 31st. So we dipped into Proverbs 31, and this is out of Proverbs 31, starting in verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Well, that's a good one. That's a real good one. When, um, when I get up here to teach, sometimes I'm going to teach and I'm going to plow through some set of scripture and, um, and, and it'll be right from the get-go. Other times I'm going to stand up here like I am today and I'm going to teach from the Word of God, but I'm not actually going to read the scripture until halfway through the service. So I want you to, to, uh, to see where you might be hearing the Word of God. This is good for you. It's good for me. You know, we see some things pretty commonplace. We see them, we know they're true because we see them with our eyes, but they just don't make sense to us. We go, that, you know, I get how that happens, but it just ought not to be. And I, I'm going to talk about some of those kinds of things. We see them, you know, for example, this is the wedding season. I was at another wedding yesterday, and, and uh, it was lovely. And I saw two people stand and go through their vows, and, um, and they say things to each other that they mean, and they really do mean them. I'm committed to you. I'm going to stay honest with you. I'm going to love you forever and ever till death. I mean, it, they, they make those vows. How is it that we see people do that? But then you get maybe five or seven or ten or some period of time later down the road, and they can't stand each other. They, they, that is the person, when that, their name comes up, they cringe. They got nothing good to say about them. They can't stand the thought of them. They want to get away from them as quickly as they can. How is it that that happens? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You, you know what I'm talking about. You see it going on. You understand the steps that get them there, but the process just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Here's another one. This phrase, you know, domestic violence. Domestic, you know, it's like people live together, they love together, they cry together, they laugh together, do all those kind of things. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I understand about it, and, and if I've now tread upon um, a personally painful topic, forgive me, I didn't mean to do that, and I'm not minimizing it. It just doesn't make sense for people who love each other to have that happen. Or this. Now, this is preposterous. You're going to say, that's preposterous, Terry, but here's an example. You, get to, uh, you, you bump into a couple who've been married, and they've decided they're going to get a divorce. There doesn't seem to be a lot of fireworks over it. They just have concluded that it's not working out, they don't love each other anymore, so they're going to get a divorce. So here's the preposterous conversation that I think through in my mind, right? Well, okay, so you're going to get divorced. I'm saying to the guy, what do you think? Somewhere down the road, you might someday again meet another person and maybe fall in love again? Yeah, I suppose it, it could happen. And you, then my conversation with her is, you know, what about you? About, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, could it be possible? He answered, well, you know, after some time, yeah, I think it could. I said, well, here's an idea. How about instead, the two of you just falling in love with each other over again? I mean, come on. This split up is going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cause a lot of strife, a lot of grief. And the answer comes back like, <laughs> you know, you just don't understand, Terry. And you're right. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, intellectually, I can understand that. But in my heart, it just ought not be. It just makes no sense. I want to talk about, you know, the answer is it's just not that simple. I want to talk about why it's not that simple. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Because 
you know, we've been on, in this series, we've been talking about the question, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love together for a long, long time, forever? Is it possible? And, you know, the, the, the truth is that if I told you today the answer to that's no, it's not possible, you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't. Because down in you, down in me, down in all of us is this belief that if I just get to the right person, the right person, everything's going to work out fine, and I could live happily ever after. I mean, it's down in us. And I think, and I, we've talked about this, I think that that belief is kind of the thumbprint of God. And you know, the, Lord, the word says that God was fabricating you in your mother's womb, and he was, the word is actually knitted, can mean knitted. He knitting one and purling two you in your mother's womb. <laughs> Yeah, you know what that means, Carter, knitting whatever. So so he's doing that, and he's knitting in this belief that at some point you can be paired with a mate that's right for you. And and I think that's the thumbprint of God, and it's good, and it's noble. So we believe that it's in there. So even if I told you it wasn't, but you wouldn't believe me. But So we've been talking about several things. You know, we talked about if you want to stay in love, you have to make love a verb. We talked about that concept. We, t- we talked about the fact that if, you have to, if you're going to love, you have to love the way Christ loved, which is, you know, there are several things about that. You don't compete. Remember we talked about you don't compete with them. We don't demand our rights in a, in a marriage relation. You just can't. You have to do just like you love the way Jesus did. Instead of demanding his rights, he laid it all down. He got off the throne. He left the crown of glory and decided to make himself submitted to you and me. Because he knew that he had to make a choice. If he wouldn't do that, he could never, ever have a relationship with us. And it's exactly the same for you and me. We're in the same boat. You can't have it both ways. If you want to have love, if you want to have love, you can't demand your rights. You just can't. It's just not that simple. It would sure be nice if it was simpler. And it, you know, it would be simple if every one of us, when we came into our relationship, we came in with a heart that was completely full, and with a heart that was extremely healthy, that, uh, you know, you both had this wonderful, both as a husband and wife, you'd come into your relationship and you had an amazing life. And every time you needed to be supported, you had that. And nobody ever abused you or there was never any bruising or taking advantage or hurt or none of that kind of stuff. But we don't come into our relationship that way. We all bring dragging into our present, all that stuff in our past. We've all been dinged up a little bit. Some of you still look pretty good, even though you've been dinged up some. But, well, all of you look wonderful. Okay, is that better? We've been dinged up, but we, here, we bring that with us, and, and we all call it baggage, right? So we bring our baggage. You know, it could be, you know, your, your dad didn't always come to all your games, or, um, you know, or it could be something a little more sinister. And the dings went a little bit deeper, and they're a little bit harder to get the polish back on. Or maybe, maybe, you know, your younger brother had problems. Even though you were the golden boy, your younger brother had problems, so he got all the attention because he needed it more, and you didn't get some of the stuff. I mean, there are lots of reasons that we come into where we are, and uh, we've got baggage, and we bring those things into a relationship. Well, I want to introduce to you uh, some new people. (laughs) Okay. Um, okay, that's going on the floor. Because I'm going to make a mess, but I'm not going to make a wet mess. Um, by the way, I want you to know I have already apologized in advance for what's going to happen here to the people who um, 
really make this place perfect and excellent, clean all the time. And it's not that I disrespect anybody, but I know that this is going to be a little bit sloppy, just like life is, okay? So here's this couple, Mr. and Mrs. Gobb. His, when his ancestors came over from France a number of years ago, his name was Goblet, but on Ellis Island, they shortened it to Gob, and it stuck. So, Amazingly enough, her name is Gabrielle Gob, but I don't know what that, that has nothing to do with the story. So, so I want to introduce this couple to you, Mr. and Mrs. Gob. In fact, I think what I want to do is let's, let's roll the clock back a little bit and get to know her a little bit. We're just going back in time here. Okay, so Gabrielle's growing up, and things go on in her life, and a little bit of sugar, a little bit of spice, everything nice. Oh, and then some guy said some things to her. Those beads are a little different. And things go on. And things go on, and she's growing up, and she's going to school, and things happen. Good things. She's taught some things. Her mother and father loved her and great stuff, but she got taken advantage of, and different things happen, and, and can we see over here? Oh. Somebody tried to put something in it, didn't, get it, didn't land. And so, so she grew up. Same thing with him. They grew up. They met. And in college, they, could, they, they met each other, and he saw her, and wow, wow, look at her. You know, but she's looking... She's looking pretty good. And she looked over at him, and she thought, wow, you know, career. He's got it all together. He's got the whole package. And so they kind of started to get together a little bit, Mr. and Mrs. Gobb. They weren't Mr. and Mrs. Gobb at this point. And so they started adding more things to the relationship. To those of you that clean floors, please forgive me. Okay. So they added more things into the relationship, and they're very careful, and they, they go out, and they, you know, they interact a little bit, and, and then they decide to get married. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> so Mr. and Mrs. Gobb are now getting married, and they're going merrily down the way, and it's a honeymoon, and things happen, and then one day, they hit this bump. And she said, Wow. I didn't know you had anger issues. And he said, well, I didn't know you had that in you. And so they go along the way and, ooh, another bump. I'm so glad this glass didn't break. <laughs> and they start hitting these bumps every once in a while. Things keep falling out. And pretty soon she says, okay, fine. I'm going to go to my sister's house. So she goes to her sister's house and she said, you know, I didn't know he had that stuff going on. He's got anger problems. I didn't know that was going on. And, you know, here's he, here he is. You know, she's gone to see her, her sister's house. And so he goes, well, I don't know where he... Guys don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, don't know what guys do. And, and he says, you know, I, I can't believe the kinds of things she does that when we, you know, the things she brings out of me. I just don't get that. And so they get to each other and they're saying these things to each other, you know. You... Um, you, you bring, you, you know, I didn't realize you had anger issues, she says to him. He says, well, you know, if you hadn't have said those things to me, you wouldn't have brought that out of me. And she really believes with all of her heart, really believes with all of her heart that if he would be nice to her and do those things, then those pink beads wouldn't come out. 
And he really believes that if she would just be careful about the things she says and the subjects that she brings up, that those anger issues wouldn't come up. But the truth is that the reason those things came out of her is because that's what's in there. And the reason that anger came out of him is because that's what's in there. Sit. The beads came out because that's what's in there. All of us have stuff in us and you don't know what's in there until you get bumped. Most most of us don't get into our real big bump until our first romantic relationship. It's sometimes, it's, it's, that's the first time that we have a big bump to find out what's inside of us that's going to come out. There's something about romance commitment. It just wants to bring out the very best of us as well as the worst. And so they go along their merry way until the first time they get bumped. And all that stuff spills all out. And it spills out not because they were bumped. It spills out because that's what was in there. That's what was in there. And all of us have this, this uh, stuff that's in us, and we have this tendency to blame the person that we're most in love with for what comes out of us. We have this tendency to blame that person who's closest to us, but the reason that it comes out is because that's what's in us. And romantic relationships do that like nothing else. <laughs> like nothing else. So what do we do? The answer is pretty simple, but it's something that most of us don't do all that much. We've learned, we need to learn to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. Pretty simple answer, actually. So today, uh, we're going to take a look at our text, which is in Proverbs uh, 4, verse 23. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this, is a, this is a short little passage, but it's exactly the same thing that Jesus taught, um, and you'll see him talking about this topic on, in Matthew 15 with a whole bunch more illustrations, but today we're going to look at it in Proverbs. Now, the writer of Proverbs was the wisest guy on earth, Solomon. In fact, he wrote most of, he wrote most of the book of Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote the Song of Solomon, and uh, here are the things. This is this really wise guy who wrote a lot about these different things. He, he says this, verse, um, verse 23, above all else, okay, What I'm going to tell you about is so important. Although I've talked to you about all kinds of different things, this is more important than everything else. This guy who wrote all these proverbs, all this advice about how to live life, about all kinds of things, about ethics and about sex and about relationships and about wisdom, he had advice on the gamut. He wrote the Song of Solomon, which is about the sexual relationship. He wrote Ecclesiastes, which talks a lot about the challenges of aging. He wrote all of these things about the whole gamut of life. He says, of all these things, this, if you only get one thing, pay attention to this. Above all else, he says this. Guard your heart. Which means, pay attention to what's going on inside. The heart in his culture represented the seat of emotions. Okay, that's what's going on here. So he tells us that we're to keep it and protect it from the bad guys and the good guys. We're to, we're to guard our heart. If I was to you know, sit down with you over a cup of coffee and say to you this question, what is your strategy to guard your heart? You'd kind of look at me funny and go, huh, what? <laughs> strategy to guard my heart? I mean, okay, that seems either really simple or stupid or something. I don't really get the question. 
But from an Old Testament perspective, from Solomon's Old Testament perspective, he says, this is the most important thing. So we ought to do it. We ought to guard our hearts. What you may have already discovered, if you've ever been in love before, is that what's inside of you comes out in the relationship that's most important to you. You may have blamed the other person, but and then moved on, but when you have moved, let's say you get bumped and you had anger issues and you said, okay, this relationship's over, and so you dated a different person, and over time you run into similar circumstances, those kinds of issues come up again. You may have discovered from relationship to relationship the same things keep coming up, and the reason that they keep coming up isn't that you're getting bumped. It's that those things that are coming out are because that's what's inside. And as it happens over and over again, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I got to find somebody that doesn't bring this stuff out in me. I got to find the right person because the wrong people keep bringing this out in me. Lo and behold, it comes out because that's what's in there. And Solomon is saying to us, this is why you got to develop a strategy for guarding your heart. You need to have a plan. You need to be proactive. You need to be thinking about how you're going to guard your heart. Here's what we're good at, okay? We're not so good at guarding heart, I don't think, but here's what we are good at, monitoring our partner, (laughs) monitoring their behavior, you know, keeping track of what they say, what they don't say, what they do, what they don't do. We're really good at that. That part we got down, the monitoring part, (laughs) you know? And the truth is that both the monitoring and the guarding are important. They're both vitally important, and they're both completely tied to each other. Here's here's how they're, they're tied to You know, in a relationship with the person that we love the most, there are certain things that we want to feel. In fact, we felt them when we first connected with them. We were feeling those things. That was what was the attraction engine that pushed us, the direction that it pushed us. We want to feel those things. We want to feel loved, cherished, valued, cared for, pretty. I especially want to feel pretty. That's why I'm wearing pink today. So we just just want to feel those things. And we want to feel them from that person. And, you know, the, the person that we invest our heart into has more capability than anybody else to incite some sort of feelings in us because we put our trust there and we, we, tie, we hitch to that wagon and that's where we go. Their words and their actions incite certain feelings. And so sometimes when we try to get them to start or stop doing something, monitoring them and get them to... Because what we're trying to do is to get them to stop doing the behavior that makes us feel in a way that we don't want to feel. Or we want them to do something that makes us feel this positive feeling instead. So we try to monitor and shape their behavior in order to fuel the way we feel. It's a pretty, pretty common deal. We fell in love. We love the way that that person made us feel. You know, sense of security, being honored, all, all, loved all those things. And... So we want some more of that. And that's completely normal. That's completely normal to want to, to, to feel that way. The problem is that when we become to depend upon that person to fuel those feelings in us. You know, I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you to make me feel confident. I'm depending on you to make me feel cherished. I'm depending on you to make me feel valuable. And you know, if in a perfect world, if... if we came into the relationship with all that health and fullness of heart that I talked about, you know, as an example earlier, that might work out. But this is not a perfect world, and so it doesn't. And then we come into the relationship with all the stuff that's inside of us, and eventually all that stuff that's inside makes its way out to the outside. And when the stuff on the inside comes out, 
that we don't like, our tendency is to blame the person that brought it out of us because they're there, but when it comes out, it didn't come out because of them. It came out because that's what's in there. It's not the other person's fault. It's not. Now, here's something that... um, that your experience will probably bear witness to, and I'm not going to develop this as a topic today. It's a completely different sermon probably, Um, but I'm just going to put this out there as a statement, and then we'll build on it. Your ability to feel certain things is determined by the condition of your heart. For example, if you came from an environment where you were never appreciated, you were never appreciated, you were never appreciated, you get to the place, even in your healthy current relationship, where feeling appreciated might be difficult for you. Okay, so the condition of your heart can impact the way um, that you might. So, so your ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it does with the behavior of your spouse. Both are important. We naturally monitor their behavior, but we don't always naturally monitor our heart. And so when those blue beads come out of us, and we don't like the blue beads, you know, they're frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. When they come out of us, and we say, you know, that's because you brought that out of me. The truth is, I brought that with me into the relationship. I brought that. I'm the carrier of those blue beads. And without the understanding that we're talking about here today, no amount of commitment, no amount of commitment that you can muster can compensate for this dynamic. Commitment can't overcome it. You might stay together. You might say, okay, we don't believe in divorce. We're staying together no matter what. But the love isn't flourishing. You might, you might have even taken tape and put it down the middle of the room and say, okay, that's your half. And all you see, this is my half. And you have this arrangement. But that's not the kind of love I'm talking about. Commitment cannot overcome this dynamic. Their behavior is part of it, but the condition of your heart is part of it too. So listen to how Solomon ends this verse, Proverbs 4.23. He says, Above all, I'll guard your heart. For everything you do, everything in your relationship, everything romantically, everything in the course of your day, everything you do flows from it. You know, the things that go on in our lives are the overflow of our hearts. Jesus teaches the same thing in Matthew 15 where he says, you know, it's not what goes in that defiles you, it's what comes out because it's come from your heart. So unless your heart is healthy, it's going to be really difficult to have healthy relationships. The New Living says it slightly differently, but it's very illuminating. It says, for it determines the course of your life. Wow. And this is so easy to see it in other people. You know, you see somebody else, the guy did a four, but her reaction was a 10, okay, right? So we can see it in other people. You know, it was a four, her reaction was a 10, and, you, and she might, you, know, you might talk with her about it, and she'll say, yeah, but he, blah, 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 and so you kind of smile and so forth. Then you go home and you say, hey, hey honey, you should have seen you know, John and Martha going at it today. I mean, he did a four, but she, did a, she reacted a 10. I don't know where those other six came from, but Martha's got issues. You know what I'm talking about? No, you have no idea about what I'm talking. But, I mean, there's... There's, it's just, it's easy to see when you look at somebody else. It's a lot harder to see it when you look in the mirror. But, I want to say this, what's in you is going to come out of you regardless of who is with you. 
Let's just hold that for, for a moment. What's inside of you is going to come out of you regardless of who's with you. It's going to happen. That's why it's so important for those of us to want to stay in love to learn how to monitor our hearts. And, um, you know, as I was preparing for this, I think that's going to be a rabbit trail, more than a rabbit trail. I think that could potentially become a series off, uh, off in our future. I just don't feel like I can cover that whole topic in the next few minutes. Um, but I am going to dip in for a second or two. Um, because here's, what's ha- here's what happens. We, we, it happens in the sequence. We get this bump in our relationship, we feel some emotion, and then we clam up. That's a very common. The beads are flying everywhere, anger's going off, all these kinds of things going on. That's, that's what's going on. But today, um, we've got one little brief exercise, one little thing we'll talk about, and I'll give you an example of that, of what you can do and help start learning how to guard your heart. This is going to get a little bit practical. So the, the important, important, reason this is important is because um, as you pay attention to what's going on on the inside, that's, start, that, that, that's part of maturing as a believer. This is part of maturing as a believer, and it's a key to staying in love. That's why we're talking about this today. Okay, so learning to guard your heart. Here's one step. Of a, I'm going to give you one step of a two-step process. Step one, think about what you're feeling before you speak. You've probably heard people say, think before you speak. Let's get more specific. Think about what you're feeling before you speak. You know, you'll, get in, you get in, you'll talk to a guy who's got stuff going on, and you'll say to the guy, I'm going to pick on guys because I am one, and I probably know guys a little better than I do, the women. And so um, you'll talk to the guy, and you'll say, hey, what's going on? His answer, well, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Hmm. What else? Nothing, just frustrated. Well, Anything else? Yeah, I'm angry and I'm frustrated. It's like, you know, let's guys, guys got two words to describe what's going on. We're angry or we're frustrated, okay? Right? That's pretty much guys. So what I want to try to do is <laughs> increase our vocabulary just a little bit here, guys. Okay. So let's get beyond the I'm frustrated. It's kind of like, you know, my kids would come home from school. How was school today? Fine. It's like, don't even ask anymore. That's going to be the answer. You have to dig. You have to push. Guys, we have to dig past frustrated and angry. We've got to be able to get a little bit better feedback for ourselves and for other people than just frustrated and angry. So our goal here is to identify exactly what we're feeling. Is this really that important? I don't know. Solomon says, guard your heart. You've got to be pretty arrogant to disregard what Solomon tells us. <laughs> so I'm going to say, yeah, it's pretty important. So let's name our emotions. Let's figure out exactly. Okay, so here's an example. You, f- you hit a bump and you feel something. And you need to name specifically what it is you're feeling. You know, anger. Okay, we got that one down. We, I don't need to spend time on anger. Maybe we feel left out. Maybe we feel ugly. Maybe we feel unlovable. Maybe we feel like we're a failure. You know, Every time you talk about your brother, our, my brother, um, your brother-in-law, my brother, you know, you talk about these trips that they're able to take and to do all these different things, and it just makes me so angry. I just start getting angry every time you mention his name. When I start thinking about him, he just makes me angry. And, you know, I don't think it's because I don't like the guy. I just, but when you start talking about it, it just makes me angry. What is that? Ask yourself, what is going on there? What is that that, you know, maybe all of this thing makes you feel a little bit like a failure? 
maybe you're feeling a little bit like a failure because you haven't accomplished enough. And I'll tell you what to do with that in just a second. Or maybe, maybe the emotion that's going on in you is that you feel old or stupid or I'm sure none of us ever feel stupid. I feel stupid sometimes. Lonely, abandoned, scared. Now, that's one guys won't normally admit. But we get there. Scared. I, I think I hate to admit it, but I think I'm kind of scared. Out of control. Betrayed. Picked on. <laughs> Whenever we get into these arguments, you know, I feel picked on. Jealous? How about this one? You know, your sister makes me so angry. This, now I'm a woman. Your sister makes me so angry. I'm a woman talking about it. This is a woman example. <laughs> your sister makes me so angry. You know, I see the clothes she wears, and I just can't wear those kind of clothes. And it makes me angry. Do I dislike your sister? No. I guess maybe I'm just jealous. Describing those feelings. Disrespected. You know, there's a list. Ask yourself these questions. The feelings are flying around. Ask yourself the question, what exactly do I feel here? And then somewhere down the road, you'll get to the place where you might be able to get your hands on this handle and say, okay, I think I understand what's going on here. I think I'm going to identify it. I finally figured it out. I mean, I feel insecure. I finally figured it out. Okay, so that first one is, is um, think before you speak. Step number two, when you figured it out, say it out loud. Now, maybe this is out loud to yourself in the closet, but actually, physically, say it out loud. Sounds silly, but something is established by your words. Something becomes a fact because you've said it. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that something happens because you proclaim something and now it floats in the air. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying there is, it's almost like an altar, not the kind you worship at, but it's an establishing place. You say to yourself, jealous. I'm actually jealous about this. You've, you've said it out loud. When you do that, you're kind of at this place where you're starting to make forward traction. And I say that because as long as those feelings are masked, they've got a power over you. They do. They just have this... They're just, they're like a corral there. You're choked off. You're fenced in. They've got this power over you. But the minute you identify them and say, I know who you are to those feelings, <laughs> all of a sudden their power, their place is, just begins to drain away. And you can begin to return to a place of health. So then when you think, you know, okay, when my wife talks about his accomplishments, she's not saying that to hurt me. She's not saying that to make me angry. She's saying it because she's proud of her brother. She's saying that because she loves him. I guess this isn't her problem, and I guess this isn't my brother's problem. I think I have to own these feelings that are going on here. These are, well, these are terry beads. I've got to figure that out. And you know, much of what you and I feel not all of it, but a lot of what we feel is stuff we bring with us into relationships and has nothing to do with our partner. Nothing. Their actions just happen to be something that helps trigger those feelings. But the, the underlying cause really has very little to do with them. And here's a pet 
philosophy of mine. I say this is a philosophy. I might be able to prove this with Scripture, but I haven't done that yet, so I don't want to take it there. But I believe this. I believe that this is part of the Lord's plan for um, those of us who will spend time in life married. This is part of the Lord's plan to shape our character. He loves you and me too much to let us go through life in maturity as infants. And the testing and the straining and the pulling through of not getting pulled through knot holes is a part of the Lord's plan to shape you and to build you into something bigger and grander, something more capable of love, something more capable of, um, of life. Anyway, that's just a pet belief of mine. And so when you begin to learn to discern the difference between what they said versus what you feel, there's this huge freedom that comes for you. And, uh, so, but you've got to name it. You've got to say, it's jealousy, or you've got to name it. And you say it out loud. I feel lonely. I feel left out. Guys, it's hard for us to say those things out loud. And uh, it, it, even though we know if we do, it's going to start losing its power. There are some reasons, and this is a rabbit trail, admittedly. You know, one of the reasons that we don't want to say it out loud is because we don't want to lose our power. <laughs> I'm going to kind of hold on to my angst. I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to control your behavior with my anger or my pouting. It's not just the guys, girls, you know, ladies. We, <laughs> we are, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but we sometimes don't want to let go of that anger because it's a control issue for us. And, you know, but then when you realize that, then you can say it to yourself out loud and say, okay, okay. I don't want to let this thing control me anymore. And then sometimes it becomes appropriate. You actually say to your partner, when it's appropriate. You know, I feel really unappreciated. And I'm just telling you what I feel. And I want to say this to you, church. There are no such things as wrong feelings. They're just feelings. I was talking to a couple of people before service and I made that statement to them and they kind of looked at me cockeyed and said, eh? you know, and I said, it's like, you know, it's like, this is like the gas gauge in your car. You don't look at the gas gauge and say, hey, you should not have feel so empty. <laughs> because... Just down the road, I'm going to fill you all back up. Trust me, it's going to be fine. Don't feel that way. No, it's just telling you what it's feeling. And when your husband or your wife or your friend or this fiancé tells you how they're feeling, sometimes it's really hard to uh, not feel criticized well, you shouldn't have da-da-da-da-da instead. When you do that, that's a pink big bead problem. When you start feeling like you can't let them tell you their feelings without some sort of defensive response, those are your beads that are starting to fill out. Learning to accept their feelings without needing to correct them or change them is a place of maturity and peace that every loving relationship has to get to. And it can be hard to hear the truth about feelings because sometimes the feelings have legitimate ground. But if they won't tell you how they feel, how will you know? How will you ever get to the place of loving and trusting unless you can say, tell me how you feel. I really want to hear it. I really want to know it. Even if it hurts, tell me how you feel. 
So then when someone opens up to you in this way, when they've gotten to the point of being able to trust to this level, zip. When they get to that point where they're going to just say, here's my heart, see it beat. You can poke it, but it's going to hurt. But I want to share it with you. You know what the proper response is? The proper response is, I'm so glad you told me this. And then here's the most important part. That's it. Nothing else. You don't add to that. You don't say anything else. I'm so glad you told me how you feel. I'm so glad you've been able to figure that out and share it with me. Not, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Or, I'm sorry you feel that way. Don't say that. That comes across as condescending. It's, I'm so glad you told me. And then stop. You know, um, I have a mirror for you to help you out. Um, because this is hard to see in ourselves. And here's what the mirror says. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Healthy people, when they discover that something they do or say triggers negative emotion in their partner, healthy people quit doing it. (laughs) They don't say, well, you just have to learn to deal with it or grow up and be more mature. You can try those statements if you want to. The garage floor is cold and hard. It's a bad place to sleep. (laughs) I've never actually slept there. I've only heard stories. (laughs) Um, Healthy people quit doing it. That's what healthy people do. Here's what Solomon wants to say to you and me today. Pay attention to your heart. That's how you stay in love. So closing in prayer, I want to challenge you to know what's going on inside your heart. Think about exactly what you're feeling. Name it and share it when it's appropriate. That's the beginning of guarding your heart. And it's just absolutely necessary to staying in love. You know, our ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart as it does with the behavior of your partner. And above all else, guard your heart. Everything in life flows from it. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that um, an awful lot of the issues that we slog through are really not issues of marriage. They're really not issues of relationship. I think a lot of those issues, Lord, were issues that I packaged with me. I brought them with me. Heart problems, God. Issues that, maturity problems, Lord. I just ask, Lord, for you to help me overcome what's inside of me. We pray that this day, Lord. We acknowledge that the bumps that go on and the beads that spill aren't the other person's fault. They're there because that's what was already there inside the heart. Your word says that, what, that that's the outflow. Those things are the outflow of our heart. So God, help us, Lord, to, to be able to renew our, our, our focus, our gaze, to see the things for what they are. God, I want to ask for um, something of a new and fresh ability here for couples, especially today, to be able to hear the truth about feelings without feeling threatened. Lord, I pray, you know, your word tells us that um, that the only thing that ever sets anybody free is truth. 
I pray, Lord, right now over truth, and I ask God for something of, of your guiding hand. When these discussions will happen, I ask God for something of your guiding hand to contain the, the feelings of hurt, to contain the feelings of risk-taking, but instead that, Lord, you would teach people to truly be able to share the truth about how they feel with each other without feeling threatened and blowing up relationships. And God, as you have caused, called us today to guard our hearts, I also pray the other end of the spectrum that people will not now cloister themselves, that they won't somehow feel like they have to fortress and barricade their heart. Lord, because that's just as big a problem. The isolation of a heart, which is the tendency of many men just to isolate. I pray, God, that that, um, I just pray that there would be a softening of that soil. And for guys who would say, Lord, um, just their only vocabulary is I'm angry or I'm frustrated, that, God, you will help them to um, get, in, get a hold of a, a vocabulary that really can describe what they feel so that they can understand themselves how to love better. Lord, I want to pray over this issue of staying in love because I believe that that hope was placed in us by you. It's your thumbprint that's upon us. It's the way you love us. You stay in love with us, Lord. It's a fact. You don't drift in and out. And when we bump you, and we bumped you pretty hard, Lord. Forgive us for the bumping, Lord, I pray. But when we bumped you, it did nothing to change the resolve of your love. Help us to love like that, God. You gave us a mate. Help us to love like that, Lord. And God, I want to talk to you about um, a segment of people here today who maybe feel um, disenfranchised from this message because they are not with their mate, either because that person has died or for whatever reasons there's a separation. Lord, you make some promises about uh, binding up our hearts and you make some promises about being our covering. You make all kinds of promises about us relationally when we're in those conditions. Lord, let that go into play today. Because, Lord, the truth is that as we learn how to love even those closest to us, that same, those same lessons apply to all of the people that we relate to. So, God, I, I just specifically want to pray for our church today that you would strengthen marriages too. And I thank you, Lord, for your loving hand upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet? If you're up in the front, please be careful because these beads flew all over and I don't want anybody to slip. And you know, hey, listen, if you have um, children who like beads, they could really be my friend if you said, hey, there's free beads in the sanctuary and we'll we'll get them a paper cup and they can collect them. But please be careful if you walk up here. All right, church? You got that, right? Don't come up here and trip. I don't want anybody to fall down. Um, Well, as pastor, oh, you're still here. Okay. I have two things I feel like I need to add on here. Pastor Terry's wearing pink. I'm wearing salmon, first of all. Okay. I had to clear that up. Um, (laughs) You know, I think the tendency is when we hear a word like that is we start thinking of other people and how they need to change. And um, my problem is I'm married to a healthy person, so I know I'm the one that needs to change. I guess um, I wish I had heard that 22 years ago or 23 years ago because we've bumped a lot. And, you know, and I just am really grateful for that word. But it's not too late for any of us to receive it. Amen. 
And it's important for us, I think, to say, Lord, what is it in me that keeps coming out that you want to fix, that you want to take out before it comes out? You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, we serve a God who is able. We serve a God who, if you approach him and say, Lord, search me and know me, try me and see every worthless affection hidden in me. It's a word to a song. Those are words to a song, but to allow the Lord to search us. But first it come, we have to come to him. Amen. Could you close your eyes and bow your head? And I just want to say, is there anybody here who has never come to Christ? Is there anyone here who you can relate to this and say, I know I've got stuff in me that I cannot deal with. And I need the supernatural. Can I say Jesus died to pay for all of that junk that comes out of you? Can I say that Jesus paid the price for not only for your salvation, but also for your healing, but also for your restoration and for your place to be healthy? If you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, surgeon, healer, Redeemer, and Lord, would you raise your hand and look at me and let me pray with you and agree if there's anybody here that needs to know the Lord. So with your eyes eyes closed and, and heads bowed, is there a thing in you that you want to give to the Lord today? that you want to say, Lord, here's a thing. Only you can do it. And nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. Raise your hand if that's you. Lord, there's something in me, and and I don't know how it got there. I don't remember how. I just want it out. And I invite you, oh God, because you are greater than that thing. You are greater than that thing, Lord God. You are stronger than my weakness, Lord. Your ways are higher. So search me. Take it out, Papa. I give it to you. I lay it down. In Jesus' name. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. God, just sing it over that thing. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power.
church, as you leave this place, just know that your God is stronger, he's greater, and he has a great plan for your life. God bless you. Have a great week.